Hello, welcome to the Taffy Marino podcast. I'm your host, Taffy, and I'm so glad that you joined me. Together, we are going to empower and encourage one another to do the good things God planned for us long ago. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back. I am so glad that you've joined me today. Uh, welcome to our third episode on the series uh, that we're doing this month, all month long, on love. And this week we are talking about John, the disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. So I have titled this episode, Jesus Loves Me, because I want you to grab a hold of that, just like John did. John called himself the one whom Jesus loved. And that's what I wanted us to take away from it this week, that Jesus loves me. And what we're really going to do this week is look at the life of John and his example and how he lived a a life uh, full of God's love. and, And he was mature in the love of God and understanding that. And as a result, what did John's life what did John's life look like? So let's get right into it. We have a lot of content to get into, and um, we're just going to get started. So we're looking at the example of John the disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. This is not John the Baptist. This is John the disciple or John the apostle. So I'm going to give you just a little bit of a description of John, things that we know about him. We know that he was one of the original 12 disciples. We know that he later replaced Paul as uh, the apostle of the early church over the churches that Paul had established. Um, after Paul had died, he uh, John replaced him. He was also appointed by Jesus um before his death, uh, Jesus was on the cross. He appointed John as his replacement to be Mary's son and to care for her until her death. And then uh, we also know that he died of old age rather than a martyr's death, as was the death of the other disciples. They died a martyr's death besides Judas. Judas did commit suicide, um, but of the the remaining disciples, the rest died a martyr's death, but John died of old age. Uh, We do know that the Roman emperor of John's day tried to kill him by boiling him alive in oil, but history shows that he walked away unharmed, and then he lived out his later years on the Isle of Patmos as a political prisoner. So let's look at some things that I, as reading the story of John, reading historical historical accounts of John, the things that really stood out to me. Um, John referred to himself as the one whom Jesus loved, not the one who loved Jesus. This is a great example of always pointing our focus and our eyes back to Jesus. We know that this is very important because the moment that we begin to focus on ourselves, on our own shortcomings or accomplishments, that is when we get into either sin consciousness or legalism. 
And we are to operate out of the law of love and be full of the fullness of God. And to do that, we have to keep our focus and our eyes on Jesus. We have many different accounts throughout the Old and the New Testament pointing us to this. I'm going to give you a really quick New Testament example. If you want to look at the Old Testament one, look at when Moses was instructed to uh, place a bronze serpent up on a pole. Just Google that one and look at it. Read the whole story. And that's going to, that is a shadow of how we are to look and keep our eyes focused on Jesus. But a good example, I feel like in the New Testament is the story of Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha were friends of Jesus along with their brother Lazarus. And Jesus went to their house one day to visit. Well, Martha immediately, and you know, we give Martha a hard time, kind of like Peter. We're always giving her a hard time. But I think I can identify with Martha and Peter a lot of the time. So I don't want to... um I want to learn from them and and their mistakes and not repeat them. But Martha went about checking off her list, doing all the things for Jesus. It was more about what she could do for Jesus than what Jesus could do for her. Hear me out. Martha was hanging her hat and all of her confidence in what she could do for Jesus not in what Jesus could do for her. And by that, I mean, her focus wasn't on Jesus. She was more about being busy and looking good and playing the part than sitting at the feet of Jesus and focusing on him. Mary was at the feet of Jesus. She was focused on him. And Jesus said, Martha, you're troubled about a lot of things, but Mary chose the best thing today. Um, And make sure that you choose. There's one thing that's needful and important. And make sure you choose that thing. Well, I kind of look at this as John. John wasn't hanging his hat on how much he loved Jesus. But he was very confident in the fact that Jesus loved him. At the Last Supper, when Jesus told the disciples, when you look at all of the different accounts in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John... When Jesus said, one of you will betray me, they all talk about how they were unsettled and disturbed and they begin to question among themselves who who was going to betray Jesus. That's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But when you read the account in John, it says that John, the, the one whom Jesus loved, was laying on Jesus's chest and Peter motioned to John. I love the dynamic between John and Peter. If you just go look at it, there's this, you see them mentioned a lot together and they're kind of opposites in the way that they interact. Both of them, Jesus loved them. Both of them were very close and important to Jesus. But I do get a little bit of a kick out of Peter because like I said, I can identify with him and and that I feel like I mess up um, quite often. So Peter Instead of going to Jesus, he wasn't confident to go to Jesus. He, um, he motioned to John and he said, ask him who it is. So John laid his head over on Jesus and he asked who, who it was. Now, none of the others give that account, but I think it's interesting that John did. Um, 
when Peter then began to make bold declarations of what he would and wouldn't do because see fear and pride begin to bubble up and he didn't like that. He didn't like that feeling that it might be him. Um, that was unsettling to him. So he began to make bold declarations of, I'll never do this. I'm never going to do that. And Jesus kind of had to set him straight. And he even says, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Instead of Peter getting really humble and kind of close to Jesus like John did in that moment and really drawing near to him instead of being afraid and full of pride, um, John got close. John got quiet. John got in that intimate place that we've been talking about, which is the secret place. So we see also John giving in detail the prayers that Jesus prayed in the garden. That tells me I don't think John was sleeping because he gave a detailed account. The others just say that Jesus went and prayed, but John knew exactly what he said. And that's where we get those prayers all about love. That's where we get that teaching and those prayers where Jesus said, I have loved you, them, Lord, just as you have loved me. That was Jesus praying over there, and John gives such a detailed account of it. Um, When Jesus was arrested and brought to the home of the high priest, the other gospels say that all the disciples scattered because that was their experience. To their knowledge, all others had scattered. In John's gospel, however, he tells of Peter and another disciple following. I'll read this to you. Simon Peter followed Jesus, as did another of the disciples. The other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, so he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. Peter had to stay outside the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching the gate, and she let Peter in. The woman asked Peter, you're not one of that man's disciples, are you? No, he said, I am not. Because it was cold, the household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire, and they stood around it warming themselves, and Peter stood with them warming himself. And then it talks about, if you go on to read that in John chapter 18, that other disciple went on in that courtyard with Jesus, and he gives an account of everything that happened. Well, historians say, and and we know how John referred to himself, that was John. John knew the high priest, but his attitude was very different than Peter's. Again, he was very bold. He drew close to Jesus. He stayed near him. He didn't scatter. He didn't run away. He wasn't full of fear. And why? Because he was mature in love, I believe. And that perfect love will drive out fear. He was uh, one of the only ones mentioned at the crucifixion. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it just says that there was a group of women and some of Jesus's friends who was at the crucifixion. But in John's account, it says that he was there. And, and I'll read you that scripture in John chapter 19. It said, when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, He said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, the disciple took her into his home. He was the one that Peter questioned what would happen to him. So Peter, after Jesus was resurrected and and he was um, he went and found them um, after they had went back. Peter had went back to fishing. Um, Jesus restores Peter. 
And he tells him everything that's going to happen to him. And he tells him there's going to be some difficult things in his life. And it says that Peter was looking around and he looked around and he found John and he asked Jesus, he said, what's going to happen to him? And Jesus said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, you follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple being John wouldn't die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them there. So everything that John wrote about, he's saying, I saw that. I saw it happen. I'm testifying to these events and this account that I've recorded And it says, and we know that his account of these things are accurate. Jesus also did many other things. And if they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written therein. That's what John says. So why, again, is this so important? That really gives us an image that John lived a life very different from the other disciples. And what do we know about John that was different from them? the fact that he was mature in the understanding that God's love was for him, that Jesus loved him. So let's look at some scriptures that John gave us regarding love. This is a good one. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John was the one that delivered that scripture and understood it, that because God loved the world, he gave his son. John understood that. 1 John 4, 17 says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. For there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment, and he that fears is not made perfect in love. And we love him because he first loved us. That is so good. So we see that John's life was really an example of all these scriptures that he understood and he lived a very different life, a life free of fear of torment, and he was very bold. Um, and then it says, for this is the love of God. This is First John 5. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. I believe that all of these scriptures, all of the things that I have just told you about John, I've given you some background stories, some little details about John. I believe that this tells us that he had a unique understanding of God's love, and it led to a life that is a living example of dwelling or living in that secret place, that intimate place where you are safe. You know, historians have shown that John lived a life free from persecution or turmoil up until his arrest, and he wasn't arrested until he was a mature man in years. 
He is said to have lived a peaceful life in the hills overlooking Ephesus, taking care of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and directing and discipling the current leaders of the new church. What a beautiful example and testimony of what happens when we dwell and abide in the intimate, secret place with God. We see that really he lived out Psalm 91. He was a living testimony of that, that those that abide in the secret place of the Most High, that he was a refuge and a place of safety, that all of these things that a thousand can fall at his side and 10,000 at his right hand, but it wasn't going to come nigh to him. It says, with long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. John lived a long life. You know, even after he was arrested, and I told you that emperor tried to boil him alive in oil, and he was able to leave that exit out of that oil unharmed. So the emperor knew that he couldn't kill him, so he sent him to the Isle of Patmos. Patmos was um, a place for prisoners to go. It was an island. It was kind of like a modern day Alcatraz. And so for hardened criminals, for people who were violent or had done, you know, the actual criminals, they would put them to hard labor. But they also had guards to oversee them, give them shelter and give them food. But for a political prisoner, they would just send them there to basically starve and die of exposure to the elements. They get, there was no oversight, there was no guards, but there was also no provision. Um, they, were, they were treated different, differently, sorry, but these political prisoners were really left to fend for themselves and, and most died. But we do not see this happening to John. It makes me think of that scripture that I referenced last week where Jesus said, if you love me and you obey my commandments, you will ask whatever you will and I'll give that to you. You'll ask in my name. Well, John had a really special revelation of who Jesus was, that he was the word of God and that everything that was created was created by the word of God. When you look at that scripture, Greek scholars have said, when you look at that scripture where Jesus said, ask anything in my name and I'll give it to you, it actually says, goes on to say, and if I don't have it or if it's not there, I'll create it for you. So I can only imagine, I picture, and I'm just using my imagination, that John needed food and he asked Jesus in the name of Jesus And Jesus created the word of God himself, provided and created that food. I can see John asking Jesus for shelter and then discovering a cave. I can see that whatever John needed, he was able to boldly go to Jesus and ask for it. And Jesus would provide it. That is just so beautiful to me. So what am I saying here? John had a really sweet, beautiful revelation of Jesus's love for him, that Jesus loves me. It wasn't that I love Jesus, and John did love Jesus because he obeyed him, and he kept his commandments, and he did those things that he asked of him, but John's confidence was not in that. It was that in his confidence, his boldness came from the fact that Jesus loved him. And so that's what I want 
the Ephesians prayer that we've been praying, 1 Corinthians 13 that we've been reading over ourselves, it's to renew our mind to this truth that God has put his love in our heart, that he loved us first. It says over here that... um that we know we love him because he first loved us. That's 1 John 4, 19. He loved us first. He made the first move. He gave his only son for us. And because of that, we can have an intimate, personal relationship with God. How do we get into that closet, into that secret place, into that safe place? Well, it's just like when John was at the Last Supper. When the other disciples were kind of, they, they heard something that was upsetting and disturbing. They begin to question in themselves. They kind of retreated into themselves. They were disturbed. They were upset. John drew close. John laid his head over on Jesus and he said, who is it? He didn't say, it's not me, not me. I would never do that. He just simply said, who is it, Lord? tell me. He was open. It could be me. I know I'm human. I know that I have failed you. I know that I'm not perfect, but I know you love me. And I know how great your love is that I'm not going to run from you. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to try to fix it. I'm not going to puff up in pride. I'm not going to work harder or do better. I'm going to get close to you. And as a result of getting close to Jesus, it changed who John was. It changed him from the inside out. He received a revelation of the love of God that filled him with the fullness of God. And when you're filled with the fullness of God, everything changes. It changes the way you think. It changes what you say, the things that you say, and it changes how you do it. You're not confident in yourself, but oh, are you confident in him? Absolutely. So this week, what I want us to do is just begin to to begin to draw close. Talk to God. Talk to him in your car. The Bible says that, that meditate on his word. Talk to him in your daily life events, whatever that looks like, while you're driving the kids to school, while you're driving yourself to work, while you're sitting at your desk, while you're on the job, as you're doing these things, look at him, put your eyes on him, focus on him, talk to him and draw close to him, meditate on what he has said to be true and let that revelation of God's love begin to fill you with all the fullness of God. Next week, we are going to be talking about how we can be rooted in love. And when we're rooted in love, what happens as a result of that? Um, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Um, I, like I said, I always enjoy this time together. I feel like we're just, you know, this group getting together, learning about God and all of the, the good things that he's planned for us, who he is, um, and then what he's asked us to do and that we can obey it. Just like John said, the commandments of God are not grievous, but they're good. His commandments are always good. Will they kind of rub your flesh the wrong way? Absolutely, every time. 
<laughs> There's no doubt in that, but that's okay. We don't want our flesh running things, right? We don't want it calling the shots. We want to be obedient. And Jesus said, when you obey me, I'll dwell in you. You'll dwell in me. I'll reveal myself to you. I'll make my home in you when you obey me because my commandments are not grievous. So thanks again for joining me. I hope you have just learned so much from this. We're not finished yet. We have one more episode and hopefully we will get everything wrapped up. And, you know, we could do another series on this, probably four or five more and just still unpack so much of the goodness and the love of God. But join me next week for our fourth episode on love. It's going to be great. We're going to learn some really good things. Keep saying those prayers. Keep saying those confessions and have a very blessed day.